welcome to our first ever St. Paul's virtual service. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, Keith and I are both in the church office. We're the only ones here, and uh, we really wish that you could all be here with us. Um, hopefully you read the email that was sent on Friday about why exactly we think that this is the wisest choice right now. Uh, but it was definitely a difficult decision, and we want to acknowledge that this is not ideal. Um, Worshiping in a virtual space is uh, better than not doing it at all, um, but we are definitely made for embodied relationships. Uh, if we weren't, then Jesus could have just phoned in his ministry, but of course he became incarnate. So uh, this is not ideal, um, but it's uh, the best that we can do right now. Um, you might have also heard, uh, we want to be clear about this, that next Sunday... Uh, we're, in all likelihood, we will be doing this again, and uh, we're going to try to move off of Facebook onto a different online platform, uh, because we know that some people in our congregation are not on Facebook and would like to keep it that way, and uh, I don't want us to interfere with that. Um, some of you may also have been off Facebook for Lent. Um, I know I was trying to do a Facebook fast for Lent, and then my Facebook fast turned into a Facebook buffet, uh, as soon as all the coronavirus stuff hit, so, um, but I also want to honor uh, those of you who are trying to maintain that. Um, so, hopefully by next week we will have a different online platform that you will be able to participate in regardless of whether or not you're on social media. And after this, we'll plan on um, uh, moving this to a YouTube account where uh, those who weren't able to join to join us will be able to watch. So, um, how long are we going to be doing things this way? We don't know. Uh, we are uh, going to be talking about it, praying about it, following the news. Um, so, we're, we're going to be in communication regularly. Uh, you guys will know. Um, but we just think it's important to acknowledge that right now we don't know how long we're going to be doing things this way. Hopefully, we'll get better at it. Uh, if it's not obvious, we're very new to this live streaming thing, and we had to get it together really fast. And uh, so, um, yeah, hopefully if this goes on for a while, we will improve. Uh, before we get started, uh, let's uh, open in prayer. And uh, I'd like to start with a scripture that I can't think of a better one that's more uh, fitting in the situation that we're in right now. Uh, it's Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we ask uh, that you would help us to put those words into practice uh, during this uh, difficult time, Lord, during this anxious time. Lord, I pray that uh, we would recognize that you are near, as, as those words say. And I pray that as we recognize that you are near, our gentleness would be evident to all, that there would be 
um, a, a kindness, a peace uh, to us that is evident to uh, the rest of the world. Lord, I pray that uh, if we're feeling anxious, that we would bring our anxieties to you and that this peace that transcends all understanding uh, would come upon us, Lord, that we would experience uh, the peace uh, that guards our hearts and minds that comes from, from you, from Christ, um, the peace that transcends worldly circumstances, Lord. I pray that that peace would be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> so, as I was considering what to talk about today, I thought it would really not be appropriate uh, for me to talk about anything other than what's on everybody's minds, uh, which of course is this coronavirus situation. But I was also struck by the fact that the book that we've been studying, Book of Revelation, uh, can really help our perspective on this situation. So we're actually going to continue in the Revelation series right now. Uh, but everything I'm going to say, I'm going to try to relate to the situation that we're in. Uh, if you want to follow along in your own Bible, uh, we're picking up where we left off last week. Uh, we ended in chapter 11. Uh, we weren't quite finished. Uh, the passage we're looking at today is very short. Uh, it starts in verse 15. So, Revelation 11, verse 15. Now, just uh, to give us a little bit of review where we left off last week, uh, six out of seven trumpet judgments had already sounded, and uh, we had an interlude between the sixth and the seventh trumpets last week where John uh, finally got to see the content of the scroll that only Jesus had the authority to open. And the content of that scroll was this uh, story, the strange story about two witnesses who are proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming Christ, and uh, they are killed, and then they rise again, and that leads people to repent. And I argued that this is a parable that is supposed to describe the way that God is going to be working through his church to build his church between Christ's first and second coming. So that's where we left off, and now we have finally come to the seventh trumpet. And this is what it says. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. So this last trumpet is a vision of the very end of the age. Now, that doesn't mean that the book is over. 
right? If you're, if you're looking at this book, you can see that we're only just a little over halfway done. Uh, so we got a long ways to go, and that should remind us of something that I've been trying to emphasize throughout this series, which is that the visions that John has are not necessarily perfectly chrono uh, chronological. If they were, this would be the end of the book, right? Because this is clearly the end of the age, things being made right, right, when the seventh trumpet sounds. Uh, but we're not done yet. So this is not a perfect uh, historical sequence of, of events. Now let's look at how this began. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Uh, if you know the words to Handel's Hallelujah Chorus, you know that he uses those exact words. Um, trying to decide if I should try and sing it. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. So <laughs> hopefully that rings a bell, right? Um, that, that part of the song has always resonated with me. There's something very powerful uh, to me about that. And what, what that part of the song and what that scripture is, is saying, it's announcing that what Jesus taught us to pray has finally come true. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Well, if you know the Lord's Prayer, he taught us to pray, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is an announcement that God's will on earth is now being done just as it is in heaven. There's now no distinction between what God wants and what's going on on the earth, right? But remember, this is a vision of the end of the age, right? And we are not at the end of the age yet. So right now, this distinction still exists, uh, this distinction between what's going on in the world and what God ultimately wants for his creation. Uh, things on earth are not always as they are in heaven. And that is because the kingdom of this world is under the curse of sin and death. And I think that during times like these, we feel that reality a little bit more acutely than we normally do, right? Um, but Revelation promises us that this this order that we're living in, of being under the curse of sin and death, uh, that is a temporary thing. It's not always going to be like that. There will come a day when things like coronavirus are a distant memory, and the kingdom of this world will have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That's our hope. That's what our hope needs to be grounded in. And this is uh, what verse 19 is all about, too. Uh, you might have been wondering, what is going on there in verse 19? It says, Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. Now, what is that all about? Well, in order to appreciate what this is saying, we have to know something about the temple and how it was structured. Uh, in the temple, uh, it, well, oh, first of all, okay, the temple was to be the place where God dwelled, 
And in the temple, you had what was called the Holy of Holies, which was an area that was so, so holy, an area where God's presence was so uh, powerful that no one was supposed to go in there. If you went in there, you risked your life because the presence of God was so overwhelming. The high priest was the only one who was supposed to go in there once a year. And in the Holy of Holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant, right? So what John's vision of this temple in heaven is all about is it's saying that the holiest of the holies is being opened, right? And, and this, is, this is not just the Holy of Holies in the earthly temple. This is the Holy of Holies in the heavenly temple. And, and, and even though this is such a, a holy uh, symbol, it is being opened to us, being revealed to the world. And, and what this is saying is that there is no longer this separation between God and between uh, his will being done in the creation. Um, his holy presence has flooded the whole thing. Everything has been made right. There is no longer uh, any separation, any, any distinction. And it's a beautiful image. And it's an image that should inspire us and should inspire us uh, with hope when we face difficult times. Um, so, in summary, the seventh trumpet reminds us that the world is not as it should be, but one day things will be made right. When the time is right, the mystery of God will be accomplished. Now, what I'd like to do for the rest of this message is to think about how what we've already studied in Revelation relates to the situation that we're in right now. Uh, a lot of people tend to ask the question when situations like this arise, uh, are we in the end times? You know, which basically means, is Jesus going to be coming back uh, any moment now? And my answer to that is, yeah, you know, it is possible that Jesus could come back any day. We should live with that expectation that it could happen tomorrow. But I don't think what's happening now is in itself an indication that the end is near. And I don't think God would want us to focus on uh, that, that question. Uh, why do I say that? Because, as we've already talked about in this Revelation series, this kind of thing has happened other times in history. And it's happened far, far worse. Uh, the Black Plague, for example, of the 14th century is estimated to have reduced Europe's population by 30 to 60 percent. And even the absolute worst-case projections, the worst-case scenarios uh, for the coronavirus, look like nothing compared to that. Uh, so we shouldn't get carried away with end times predictions. That's not the first place that, that our mind should go. Uh, every generation experiences uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse to some extent. Uh, because every generation experiences war, conquest, famine, disease, uh, to some extent. And something that I have been trying to emphasize as we've been reading Revelation is that these judgments are not just visions of, of uh, turmoil that's going to take place in the earth at some future date, uh, but they are descriptions of the turmoil that occurs on earth 
uh, throughout history, and especially between Christ's first and second coming. Um, so, uh, Revelation, one of the reasons that it was written in the first century to first century Christians, was to let them know that they should expect this kind of turmoil in the world. They should expect things to be difficult. But it was also written to let them know, and to let us know as well, that regardless of how difficult things get, Christ is still on the throne. And this story has a good ending uh, for those of us who are willing to recognize him as Lord. So over the last few weeks, as we've studied this book, uh, it's forced us to ask some tough questions. And I don't know about you, but the situation that we're in right now has made some of those questions less rhetorical for me. Um, they're not, well, they're not theoretical anymore, or they're not as theoretical, that's the way I would put it. And one of the questions um, that we've been challenged to ask is, when everything around me is unstable, do I have anything to hold on to? When everything around me is unstable, do I have anything to hold on to? You know, several weeks ago, we looked at when the sixth seal was opened, and it described stars falling to the earth, and the sun going black, and the sky uh, receding like a scroll. And we talked about how this is all symbolic language that represents things that are ordinarily stable becoming unstable. Um, things like governments, economies, um, supplies of food and medicine and necessary goods. Uh, most of us take it for granted that those things will be stable in our lives, stable and reliable. And what the sixth seal basically says uh, is that things are not as stable as we tend to assume. Uh, and it does that by taking things that are the most stable of all, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and describing them as being in, in disarray. Um, I, I think that right now, maybe for the first time, some of us are feeling that truth, that nothing on earth is guaranteed, nothing is for certain. You know, we can't uh, depend on medicine or politics or economics for our hope and our peace. Uh, we, we can't just trust in ourselves or in the things of this world. Uh, we, we really do need to put our hope and our trust in Christ. And if we don't, uh, we're on shaky ground. So that's the first question that Revelation, and to some extent the situation that we're in, is forcing us to ask. When everything around me is unstable, do I have anything to hold on to? And the answer we should be able to give is, yes, I do have something to hold on to. I hold on to, to Christ. Uh, he is my firm foundation. <clears throat> the second question that for me feels a little bit less uh, theoretical now is from when we were looking at the six trumpet judgments. And those judgments describe a lot of ecological disasters, uh, the water supply being ruined, and I challenge us to ask ourselves, who would we be 
if these things took place. You know, uh, the trumpet judgment I focused on was, was the water supply one. And, and I asked, what if tomorrow we didn't have access to uh, drinkable water? Um, what would we do? What would you do? You know, would you curse God? <clears throat> would you try to steal somebody else's water? Uh, would you be willing to kill for water? Would you despair? What would you do? What kind of person uh, would you be? Now, <clears throat> thank the Lord, we have plenty of water right now, right? Uh, we're, we're certainly not in uh, a, a situation that is anywhere near that kind of, of desperation. But it is hard to find toilet paper right now uh, and zinc lozenges and certain kinds of food. Uh, if you're like me, you might have recently found out that your asthma medication is in low supply. And these kinds of situations ask us the same question that Revelation poses, which is, what kind of person am I going to be when or if things get hard? Right? Am I going to act totally in my self-interest, or am I going to love my neighbor? Uh, am I going to hoard, or am I going to share? Am I going to buy the whole stock in the store just because I'm there at the right time and I might need it, or am I going to leave some for the next person who comes in? <clears throat> Those are the kinds of questions that this situation asks us. And the answer that we should hear to all of them is Jesus saying to us, be the church. Be the church. In other words, be my body in the world. Show people what I'm like. Last week, uh, we looked at the vision of the two witnesses in chapter 11. And I argued that the two witnesses are a symbol of the church, and that what this parable teaches us is that part of God's plan for bringing people to repentance and, and to salvation is through the sacrificial love and suffering of his people, of his church. Um, the judgments of the seals and the trumpets don't lead people to repentance. It specifically says that. But when these two witnesses suffer, uh, it does actually lead people to repentance. It does actually lead people who were once mocking them to glorify God. <clears throat> um, now, that is not an easy message to hear. And you might remember that last week we talked about how when John took in that message, metaphorically, he ate it. Uh, it tasted sweet to him, right? It tasted sweet because he was recognizing that it was a story of God making things right with the world and of people coming to repent, right? But it also sat in his stomach in such a way that made him feel a little sick because he was recognizing that part of God's plan involved the suffering of the church. Um, so that's not an easy message to hear. It wasn't an easy message for John to hear. But it is a message that we need to hear. You know, God works powerfully through us when we are not controlled by fear, but when we are led by love. And sometimes love is willing to make sacrifices. There is a power in that that draws people to repentance and faith. 
So that leads to the question, well, what does being controlled by love rather than fear practically mean for us in this situation? And to be honest, I'm still figuring that out myself. I don't know about you, but it feels like things changed really fast. <clears throat> this came upon us really quickly. I think it was just five days ago, maybe four days ago, when I just, I couldn't imagine that we would be doing a stream of this service. Uh, I couldn't imagine that you wouldn't be able to find things at the grocery store or that schools would be closing. Um, just last Sunday, we had our, our Yukon students who were going on spring break uh, sharing about their trips, and those trips have been canceled. Um, so things change really, really quickly. And that means that answering that question of how can we be the church in this situation is def definitely a work in progress. But certainly the first thing <clears throat> that we should be doing is we should be helping to prevent the spread of the virus. And obviously that's why we are meeting online instead of in person. That's why we should all be uh, washing our hands and staying home if we feel sick and uh, increasing social distance as much as we can, at least for now. But I'm sure that there are other things that we can do to help in this situation and to bear witness to the love of Christ uh, than just isolating ourselves. And uh, I noticed uh, that Jana McDonald uh, posted a really nice list of uh, some possibilities and encouraged us all to uh, share anything that we might think of. So thank you for doing that, Jana. Uh, I had a few suggestions myself, and uh, I think Jana had all these and more. But, um, you know, if we know people who are older or who are especially at risk, uh, we can offer to pick up groceries for them or to make them meals. Uh, if we know any parents who can't work uh, from home and uh, they have kids that are now suddenly home and they don't know who's going to take care of them, uh, we could offer to babysit. Uh, if we know people who are going to be put under financial strain because of this situation, um, we might be able to help in that area if uh, the Lord has blessed us with an abundance uh, financially. And uh, if we know people who are especially lonely or anxious <clears throat> during this time, we can reach out to them, we can uh, spend time with them on the phone or on FaceTime. Um, we can call them up and pray with them. You know, we can, we can be active about supporting one another. And uh, I encourage you, you know, if uh, you have other ideas that you think we could do as a church, please, please email me. Keith and myself and the board are going to be uh, talking about these things, talking about uh, what we might be able to do as a church. And if you are on Facebook and you haven't done this already, I encourage you to uh, sign up for The Core, St. Paul's The Core. Uh, that's a page that we've had for a while where we encourage people to share prayer requests or let people know about any needs that they might have. And... Um, I don't think it's ever gotten quite as much use as we would like, um, but now's a time where it might really come in handy. Um, so please don't be shy about uh, signing up for that. Just search for St. Paul's The Core and put in a, a request, and we will uh, accept you, and uh, you'll be able to use that for uh, prayer requests. And if you really do have a need, it's a way to let people know 
Um, so, in summary, uh, the world is not yet as it should be. Uh, but one day, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That hope is what we have to hold on to when everything else around us seems to be becoming unstable. And it is that hope that will free us to be led by love and not by fear. And I'll close with Jesus' words uh, in John chapter 14, verse 21. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So, uh, I thought that we could do something here that we don't uh, usually do uh, during our services. We kind of do it through our connection cards. Um, but I thought we could have a, a, a corporate time of prayer uh, where, obviously, um, uh, obviously we can't all pray out loud together right now, but I was thinking what we could do is um, you guys could submit any particular prayer requests you might have in, in the comments, and then uh, I could take those and offer them up, and we could all pray together that way. Um, so I'll just allow for a couple minutes uh, for you guys to write in any requests uh, you might have. There's the obvious ones, of course, but um, yeah, if there's anything else. Looks like it's kind of quiet right now. Oh, okay. There's one. Um, oh, I'm, I'm being asked, where do you want them to write the request? Well, what I was thinking is that underneath the live stream, there is a comment area. Um, and I think you could just write them in there. See, Kathy Collins uh, did that. I guess this is what they call dead air in radio. Hey, Keith, do you want to say hello? Hello. Hi everyone. I'm behind the camera giving my social distance from Ryan this morning, but it's uh, great to be be a part of this. Yeah, I just realized he's been here the whole time, but you haven't heard a thing from him.
request for you to sing some more. Yeah, I just saw that, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's a bunch coming through now that I'm seeing. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's a bunch. I know there's a little bit of a delay, so sometimes it takes me a while to see what's coming through. It's like seven seconds or something like that. And just hey. so everyone knows, we also put in the comments uh, where you can join uh, St. Paul's Decor. We also put Jana's list of ways that you could be the church in your neighborhoods. Yes. Keith, do you know if I can actually uh, look at all of these requests at once? Because it seems like once there's a couple comments, then it disappears. Oh, no. Okay, there we go. In the comments area? Yeah. In the, yeah. Um, okay. All right. Well... Yeah, for some reason, all of my, all of your comments are disappearing, and I'm having a hard time reading anything other than the last four. So, <laughs> I could read them to you. Okay. So, Kathy Collins, prayer for protection for Kaylee and Nick as they fly home to Savannah tomorrow. Chuck wrote, both Andrew and I are high risk with compromised immune systems. Please pray for us. Kai says, recovering from the flu, Bethany Eklund and Chris's uh, baby, for relatives in China. Hold on a second. Uh, okay. Going, Prayer for Kathy Collins, who is sick right now. Prayers for all those suffering from anxiety during this unsure time, and for those of us who are out of work for the unforeseen time. Pray for those affected by the cutting of hourly wages. Pray for the tickle in my throat that Stephanie pointed out. <laughs> Pray for the elderly. My mom is at risk. Please pray for all students who are home. Some schools have a grab-and-go, free breakfast and lunch. Many students are poor. Keep them safe, healthy, and nourished. Thanks for the love, Steph. Pray for students this week and the next two weeks who unexpectedly had to go home. Home isn't a safe, fun, or joyful place for some students, and it really stinks that kiddos have to go through that. Also hard for students who don't have families who know Jesus, but also great for witness. Prayers for the first responders and retailers retail workers right now, my brother included, who has to work at a grocery store. Yeah. It's tough. <clears throat> okay. All right. Uh, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, uh, we ask that uh, you would meet us in a, in a special way uh, in these coming days, 
Um, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the church. Um, I pray that you would help us to be led by love, not by fear, and to be wise and discerning about what it looks like uh, in this situation to be led by love. Uh, love for our neighbors and uh, love for you. Lord, I want to lift up Kaylee and Nick, uh, who are returning from Savannah. Uh, Lord, I pray that your protection would be with them, that you would uh, guard them against uh, infection, um, and that your peace would guard their hearts and their minds as they travel. Uh, Lord, we lift up uh, Chuck and Andrea Redfern, um, beloved members of our community, Lord, and uh, we recognize their compromised uh, immune systems. And we just pray that you give strength to their bodies, uh, that you would protect them uh, from the virus, and uh, that they would rest in knowing that you are near um, and that you are with them. Uh, Lord, we pray for baby Kaisa recovering from the flu. Um, uh, we pray that you would, would uh, uh, be healing her, Lord, and uh, uh, that you would keep her from any further infection. Uh, that you would keep uh, Chris and Bethany from infection. And uh, we just pray that you continue to help Kaisa grow healthy and strong. Um, Lord, we, we lift up uh, uh, those who have relatives in China. Um, we pray uh, for uh, that whole area, um, which has been especially affected by this virus. Um, we pray, Lord, uh, that you'd especially be working through the church there. Uh, we know that um, the church there has uh, suffered under uh, persecution, uh, but they have grown uh, tremendously, uh, especially recently. And uh, we pray that what's going on in China with this virus would provide a great opportunity for the church there uh, to witness to your sacrificial love and to your goodness. Uh, Lord, we pray for those who are out of work. Uh, for those who uh, uh, aren't really sure how they're going to pay the bills, Lord, uh, we pray that our, our society as a whole would be gracious during this time, uh, that, that we would not be ruled by the dollar, uh, but that we would be ruled by, uh, by love, by generosity, uh, by kindness. Lord, I pray um, that we would, uh, during this time, uh, be surprised and encouraged to see employers um, and people who are collecting bills be especially um, humane and gracious. And uh, we do pray, Lord, that you provide uh, for our needs, uh, whatever they might be. Uh, Lord, we lift up those who are elderly, Lord. And uh, I pray that we would, um, we would uh, remember uh, the value of every person. Um, I've, I've noticed that there have been a lot of times where People try to reassure others by just saying, well, it's more the elderly who will, who will suffer from this. And um, that always hurts my heart a little bit, Lord, because uh, the elderly are, are just as important as everyone else. And um, Lord, I pray that uh, we in the church would affirm the value and uh, the dignity of people of all ages. Um, Lord, we... Uh, we pray uh, for students who have suddenly lost access to uh, food. Um, we pray, Lord, that they would be surprised by the ways that you meet their needs. And we pray that those of us in the church would be open to the ways that you might want 
us to help meet their needs. Um, we pray for students who have had to go home, especially those who are uh, followers of you and uh, maybe don't have a home environment to go back to that is as spiritually nourishing as the one that they have in campus, on campus, uh, through the ministries they're a part of. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would um, work through them in this time, that you would encourage them, uh, that you would help them to um, love their families well during this time and to be a non-anxious presence uh, when there may be a lot of anxiety uh, in their, their homes. And Lord, we pray that you would give strength and uh, courage to first responders, to people who have to work uh, during this time. Um, we pray uh, that you, you would protect them, Lord, and um, especially those who are working in hospitals around the world, um, who have to make hard decisions and have to work with limited resources. Uh, we pray that your grace and your provision would be evident uh, and that you would be near to them even in the, the anxiety. And Lord, we just uh, we lift up all these requests to you and also the unspoken requests, God. And um, we just pray uh, for that peace uh, that guards hearts and minds, the peace that transcends understanding. Um, we pray, Lord, that we would feel, we would feel encouraged, uh, that we would take to heart your frequent command not to be afraid, not to be anxious, uh, and to rest um, in your presence with us and in your faithfulness uh, to us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, thank you all again uh, for being here and uh, worshiping virtually with us. Uh, as I said, um, we don't know how long we'll be doing things this way. Um, I don't know why I'm looking at my computer instead of that over there, but uh, <laughs> we don't know uh, exactly how long we're going to be doing things this way, um, but we do hope that if we do have to do it for a while, um, that we can get creative with it. Um, do you have anything else you want to add, Keith? I don't think so. God bless all the parents with the young kids at home the next couple weeks. <laughs> enjoy your time with them. Yes, yes. We pray for patience and joy and peace in those homes. We do pray for that as well. <clears throat> um, let's close with a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Uh, amen. Amen.